Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live at. We run into each other at different things and pastor gatherings and connect with each other and catch up just briefly, but we never kind of sat down and really got to know each other. Um, and probably about eight months ago, um, I was just wrestling with some things and just discouraged and, and uh, feeling really low. And, and that week, um, man, it was, it was one of those things that, you know, nothing made sense and, and things would come out of left field and kind of, kind of uh, just you feel like you're being attacked, really. There's no other way to say it. And very clearly, the Lord said to me, reach out to Micah. And I was like, uh, all right, I don't really have time for this. And, uh, and, I, and I think one time we, we played phone tag or, or texting back and forth, and it just never happened. And I was thinking to myself, um, last time, you know, I know he's busy. Last time I did that, it, it, uh, it just never panned out. <clears throat> so I just kind of ignored it. Which I'm really good at doing, by the way. I'm really good at ignoring the Holy Spirit. One of maybe the spiritual gift I have. Um, and I'm not proud of it, but it's, it's the reality. Two more times it happened that day. Reach out to Micah. Reach out to me. So finally I was like, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll text him, but probably nothing will happen. I text him. Literally seconds later he says, yeah, let's, let's get together. I'm available. I was like, okay. And so we sat down and we met. And, and uh, we... Uh, what was it? Some, um, gosh, what was the name of that place uh, that we met at? We kept going to places and they were closed. Like one place would be closed, we couldn't meet there. We'd go to another place that was closed. You know, he had his car in his shop and we were wandering around trying to find an <laughs> open place to sit and just talk to each other. Finally, we found a place and, and I sat down and, I, and again, we know each other, you know, great respect for each other as pastors, but we, we don't know anything deep about each other. And I sat down and I, I said to him, I was like, man, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why. And, uh, and just kind of on the verge of frustration and, and, and even tears. And, and uh, he's like, it's all right. Where do you want to start? I was like, I don't even know where to start. And so we just kind of fell into an almost two-hour conversation. And it was so life-giving for me. It was amazing. And he just kind of walked me through things and, and talked me off ledges and was able to point out where God was moving in my life that I was failing to see it. And uh, so I was just overflowed with that. He prayed for me, encouraged me, and, and, uh, and then uh, we've done that multiple times since then. Um, reached out, and I, I went over to his place, and we sat down in his office for a couple hours. And it like literally, when every time we sit down with each other, um, it feels like 15 minutes, but it's like hours and hours. And, and uh, so anytime I get an opportunity to learn from somebody like that, there's a little bit farther along than I am in different places uh, of life, and especially falling after the Spirit of God, um, I take advantage of that. And so I reached out to him, I was like, hey, we're doing this thing in Washington, um, and it, we don't even know what we're doing, but we're, we're trying, and, uh, and would you be a part of it? And he's like, man, I'd love to be a part of it. He was super intrigued, um, tried to make it last time, but something came up. Um, he literally just got back from vacation, I think yesterday, over mm-hmm. in town, and preached three times today, and then he's, he's here again. But uh, I, every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming. I'm looking forward to coming. Can't wait to be there. Um, so that, that's Mike. I'm excited he's here. Would you uh, just welcome Mike at the Cone?
I am excited about being here. Uh, now, my wife says when I say I'm excited, it's like saying water is wet. Um, <laughs> I get really excited about a lot of things. Uh, but this is, this is something that I'm really excited about and been praying about, thinking about. This is a very long cord that they've been go a very long way with that, so get that straightened away. But I'm excited. I am excited to be here. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here. It is not normal for there to be, uh, in the same town, pastors that open up to one another. That is not typical. Um, and, I, and when Pastor Jimmy and I started connecting, uh, I, actually this month is the fourth anniversary of me being in Sylvania. So, um, so you're off by one year, but who's counting? The, uh, and I, I think it's interesting that we've gotten together and we've connected, and I, and I do believe that there's a, uh, a long-term relationship and friendship that is developing between us because there is respect. Um, but, I, but I look at it with, uh, this is Pastor Andy Wygan, who I followed as pastor of uh, McCord Road Christian Church, and he's very irritated at me right now for saying that, but it is true. Uh, and he pastored there for 34 years, am I right? And then, uh, and then I followed him. And he was very good friends with Pastor Don Fothergill who was here for so many years. And then Pastor Jimmy has followed uh, Pastor Don and I fo followed Pastor Andy and, and, um, and I don't know what God's putting together, but when two churches and two people uh, walk together in community and in harmony at some point, uh, I think God's doing something there. And if that can become some kind of a generational thing, then who knows what the Lord can do with that. I'm, I, don't, I don't for a minute think that, uh, that I understand it all, but I do think that there's something cool that can happen with that. And so, um, and, and so I'm just, I am privileged to be here, excited to be here, uh, probably have much more to say than you ever want to hear. And, but let's, but let's, let's get started in talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't know it was a requirement to take off your shoes at Washington Church. I looked around and there's a whole lot of people that don't have shoes on. And so, uh, sorry, I'm not going to go there. The, uh, the, uh, I'm being led of the Spirit and that's no. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, but, but talking about the Spirit, I come from kind of the opposite direction of many people that maybe have been here. How, is anybody, this is your first time in one of these events? Okay, okay. Me too. So we're, we're in this together first time. And so uh, I come, I was raised in a Pentecostal environment. My dad was a Pentecostal pastor before I, before I was born. Uh, actually, he and my mother had been major hippies, major hippies, drug addicts, etc., and they got radically saved in a Pentecostal church. My dad had been raised Southern Baptist and my mother had been raised Presbyterian. So that was kind of their backgrounds. But when, uh, but you know, being raised Southern Baptist and, and Presbyterian, it didn't connect with them in a way that allowed them to continue to live for Christ through their college years and so on and so forth. And that's when they, they went way off. They were functioning uh, drug addicts, but they were absolute drug addicts. And, Everything that came with the hippie movement, they were part of, and it's just, that was, that was the deal. But one day, when they were high as kites, uh, they were, they, they and a couple of friends and some family members were sitting at my parents' house, smoking weed and talking about the book of Revelation. 
And if there's two things that should never really be put together, <laughs> it's weed and revelation, okay? But when, when that happened in my parents' world, they said, you know what, we need to call somebody who knows something about this book of Revelation and about this whole end time stuff. And what does that even look like? What does that mean? And so they decided to call this one girl. They said, we know one girl who's really living out her faith in a very open and expressive way. She'll know something about this. So they called this lady. Her name was Pat Fleming. And her name, in fact, is still Pat Fleming. And uh, no, no, it isn't. It's Pat, but she got married, and I don't know her married name. But, uh, but she is still part of our world today. And she went there that night. This girl, she was raised Pentecostal. She had never done drugs. She had never been involved in any of that kind of scene or environment. But she got a call from my parents that night and said, would you come talk to us about the book of Revelation? So she walked in and to hear her tell the story, which I've heard a few times, she said she opened the, they opened the door and just smoke billowed out of the door. And, and she went in there and she brought a friend with her because she was frankly scared. And so she said, these are weird people, and <laughs> she was right. And so they, uh, they, she went in there, and she started talking to them about the book of Revelation, and she thought, this is never going anywhere. This isn't going to achieve anything. This is pointless, but I'm going to do it because, you know, how do you say no to somebody that's interested in learning about the Lord? And so she said, I'm going to do it. So she did. She talked to them. She left. And she thought that would be the end of it. But a couple of weeks later, my parents decided to visit the church that she was part of. And they went in there, and it was a full-blown, absolutely unique Pentecostal church, and they were doing everything that you've ever heard that Pentecostals do, okay? And my parents were like, this, these people are nuts, okay? This is crazy. And my dad, my dad, you know, my dad is as subtle as a hammer. He is just, he's, he's just out there. So he's like, oh, look at those people. Oh, look at them. And he's just being very rude, very obnoxious about stuff. Um, and, and they walked out of there never intending to ever go back again. But something connected with them in that, in that service that a few weeks later they decided to go back to that, that church. And just a few, I don't know if it was day, uh, months or however many months it was, they walked to the altar that morning and they gave their lives to Jesus and God radically changed their life. And, and they, they ended up uh, starting to do missions and, and be part of the church and, and so on. And they went on a missions trip to, uh, to Mexico. And my mother got really sick. And, and, and every, every day she was just sick. And so they started praying for her and praying for her. And man, it just nothing was helping. No medicine was helping. Nothing was helping. And, and so they just, they just kept praying, God. And so finally, one, one pastor there said, hey, I'm, let's, maybe she has a demonic presence that's like over her life and we're going to rebuke the devil. And so they started rebuking the devil over her life. And nine months later, I was born. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's how I came into the world. And, uh, and that was kind of the scene in my, in my family. It was just everything was heavy duty. Everything was intense. Everything, as intense as I am right now, it was 10 times more intense. It was, everything was all out. My dad started ministry standing on the top of a, a flat roof at LSU University. We're all from Baton Rouge. And, and, uh, and so he's standing on top of the roof. And, and they found a place that was across the street from the strip club and the occult bookstore. And, and then a bar in between. And he would stand there and he would call out people that were coming out of the strip club, the bar, and the, and the occult bookstore. And he'd say, let me tell you about Jesus, and, 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 and so on. And it, super not effective, but absolutely, uh, you know, his, his push in ministry. 
And so as, as, as they're learning and, and going and, and developing, um, we ended up being missionaries in Indonesia and the Philippines, and then, then we came home from there, and my parents started churches around the country and, and uh, ended up uh, in Massachusetts, started a good number of churches. We've moved a lot of, a lot of times. But uh, ended up in Massachusetts, and that's where I met my wife, and, and the Lord I knew was calling me into ministry and calling me to preach, and, and uh, I, I'd done music for a long time, and I was going to be preaching, and, and um, there about 16, my dad, I, I, was, I was playing the drums one day, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit just move on me, and, and we're here to talk about the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to tell you some stories about the Holy Spirit moving in my life and speaking to me in unique ways. And he hasn't always spoke to me in way, spoken to me in ways that I've wanted him to or was excited about him speaking to me. Uh, first time I ever remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me was when I was 12 years old in Kinston, North Carolina. And we, my dad was pastoring a little church there. It was a prayer meeting on a Friday night because all good Pentecostals have prayer meeting on Friday nights. And so that's so we can't do bad stuff. Everybody does bad stuff on Fridays, but not Pentecostals because we're at a prayer meeting on Friday night. At least this one was because daddy said so. So I'm sitting there praying and I was, I was, I was praying. And my sister was right here sitting on the pew next to me and I was, had my hands in my, in my head and my hands like this. And I was just, I was just praying God, you know, and, and talking to the Lord. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, when I say that, if you haven't had the experience of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, it can sound like I'm saying God went, hey, Micah, like that. That's not what happened. What happened is, and, and here's maybe a note for you, if you're, if you're seeking to hear the voice of the Lord in your life, then how I know the Holy Spirit speaking to me is I will be thinking in this direction, praying in this direction, and all of a sudden from way over here somewhere, something will pop me in the back of the head and I suddenly know something or I hear something or a thought is there and I can't get rid of it. I'm not talking about how you're driving down the street and you look at a red car and you go, oh, that's a nice red car because that follows where your eyes are, where your thoughts are, but where your thoughts and your eyes are someplace else and then suddenly that thought is there and then you can't get rid of it. It was the first time I ever recognized that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and, I, and the, what he said was, you're going to preach my word. And I knew that God had called me to preach. I was 12. I looked at my sister. She's 18 months younger than I am and we were absolute best friends. And so I, I in fact, best friends till I got married. And, uh, and now my wife's my best friend. But I looked up at my sister and I, and I said, Reagan. And she was sitting there and she looked at me. And she said, yeah, that's it. The Lord just called me to preach. And she said, so what? <laughs> and that was my introduction to ministry. Um, it hasn't changed much since. <laughs> and it gives you an idea about my sister. But, the, uh, but, she, but that's, that's what I knew. But between 12 and 16 or 17, you know a few things happen in life. A few, things, a few changes occur. And so at, at some point I started leaving, pushing away from the kingdom of God, pushing away from the church because I really, truthfully, I'll just be honest with you, I, I, I felt like the, the church was stealing my father. I felt like I didn't have a dad because he was always at church and he was always helping people and always teaching studies and always studying and always these things. And, you know, we didn't do things that other kids did with their dads, at least that I saw. And so I felt like I felt like that was hurting me or harming me. And so I got angry at God. I got angry at the church. It's not that I ever stopped believing. It's just that I got angry. And so 
I, I tried to distance myself as much as I could, but my father's exactly six feet tall. At the time, he weighed about 300 pounds, and he also bench pressed 300 pounds. And when I would have stayed home from church, but when he said get in the car, I just naturally said, oh, yes, sir. And so we got in the car because there was no argument with that. And so we, we got in the car, and I went to church because I enjoyed playing music and I enjoyed playing the drums. And I was 16 years old whenever the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I know for the second time. And I was sitting in, on the drums. This is back in the day. I don't know if y'all did this or know, been in churches that did this, but we did prayer request time. And so at some point, my dad would stop singing. All the music would stop, and he'd stand there and say, anybody have a prayer request? And Susie would say, yeah, could you pray for my cat? My cat's really sick, and we'd like to pray for my cat. And then this person would say, pray for my grandmother. And that person would say, pray for this. And we'd go through the, the congregation, and however long it took uh, to take these prayer requests, we'd take the prayer requests. And so I was sitting there on the drum, and I was bored silly. I was just waiting for the next song to start so I could play. And so I started fiddling with stuff. And on a drum set, there's a thousand things to fiddle with. And I'm, I'm fiddling with stuff. And the second time the Holy Spirit spoke to me, he said this, you are so stupid. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you that way. And he has not always spoken to me that way. But on that day, he did. I said, just ignored and kept fiddling with stuff. And finally, I heard it the second time, you are so stupid. And I figured, well, if this is God, and I'm not sure that it is, and if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I'm not sure that it is, and if this is right, and I'm not sure that it is, then he can answer a question. I said, all right. If I'm so stupid, why am I so stupid? And this is the immediate answer that popped into my head. You're so stupid because you know too much about what is right to ever be a good sinner. You're always going to be convicted. And yet you don't want to be a good saint. And so you're going to be always dabbling in sin, always trying to do, stretch the boundaries, do what's in the world. And so you're going to live your life miserable. And then maybe at the end of it all, even go to hell. And that's really stupid. Now, again, maybe the Lord will never have that conversation with you. I pray that he never does, but he did with me. And that's the day, at that point, I went, yeah, that, that's really stupid. And I don't think that I was lost. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't think I'd lost my salvation or anything like that. I just, but where I was living, I was living a miserable existence. And I put my drumsticks down and whatever my dad was doing, whatever my mom was doing, whatever anybody else was doing, I recognized in that moment that the relationship that I had with God was really about me and him. It wasn't about my dad. It wasn't about anybody else. It's about me and him. And, and anything less than focusing on that was going to be a stupid decision on my part. And so I put the drumsticks down and I came out of the drum cage and I walked down off the stage on where the altar space was. And I turned around and I knelt down and put my hands in my, in my face in my hands. And I began to cry out to the Lord. And, and my father didn't know what was going on. I didn't talk to anybody. He just saw, if Mike was right there, he said, uh, folks, let's pray. And everybody started praying. He came down and prayed with me. And, uh, and that day, I gave my life to Jesus. And from that day until this day, I've never, never walked away from him. I've never turned my back on him. I've always pursued him, pursued him. And uh, two weeks later, my dad looked at me and he said, think you need to preach next Sunday I said what he said I think you need to preach next Sunday and I said well again yes sir that's what I always said to dad and 
That's what I say to him now most of the time. And I said, yes, sir. And so two weeks later, I preached the worst sermon ever preached in the history of humanity. More than likely. And, but that day, a little girl was sitting in the back of the church with her mother. And I gave the altar call. I had read my entire manuscript like this. I was scared silly. And, and, and I, I gave the altar call. And today, I'm a little bit more uh, smooth at it. But at the time, I wasn't that. And I was just like, so if you need to pray, come up here and pray. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't know what I said, but something like that. And this little girl in the back of the, back of the room started running away, and her mother reached out and grabbed her and pulled her back in. A few minutes later, I saw the little girl run away, and the musicians were playing and singing, and nobody was moving in the church. Everybody was just sitting there. And that little girl ran, tried to run away from her mother, and her mother grabbed her and pulled her back. And, and uh, the girl was about seven, eight years old. I don't know how old she was. But uh, third time, that little girl jumped up and ran and this time mama wasn't fast enough because mama was praying and that little girl boom out of that aisle and then that little girl ran all the way to the altar and then and she lifted her hands like this and she started praying well now mama runs up there and mom wants to jerk that little girl all the way back to her pew but she can't jerk her away from the altar i mean how does that gonna look in front of all these people and so she and so mama walks up there and she starts praying with her daughter and that little girl gave her life to Jesus that day in a beautiful, beautiful way. And I don't know, I don't think that sermon could have touched anybody. And frankly, I don't think that sermon touched that little girl. I don't think she even knew who was talking that day. But what I do know is the Holy Spirit drew her to himself in that moment. And I do know that when we talk about working in the Holy Spirit and being used by the Holy Spirit, he will talk to us in ways that we cannot understand. He will cut through all the junk that is in our life and all the junk that is built up within us. And he will make a difference even when there doesn't seem to even be a possibility that a difference can be made. He will do those things. And that's the beauty and that's the power and that's the wonder of working in the Holy Spirit. But the freaky part about working in the Holy Spirit is that you don't understand it all and neither do I. We don't all understand it all because if I understood everything it was meant to work in the Holy Spirit or be used in the Holy Spirit or, or for the Holy Spirit to, to talk to us or, or, or work through us, then I would be God. Because the only way that we can ever know all there is to know about God is to be God. And if I can't be God and newsflash, neither can you, then it means that working in the Holy Spirit is always going to mean working in the dark in some manner. It's always going to mean working in a way that we don't fully understand or comprehend in some way. One could say it's always going to require faith. Faith, that thing that connects us with God, that thing that allows grace to be poured into our life, that, that thing that allows the power of God to move in our life in a way that, that we could not earn and we do not deserve. Faith that that does things in us, that, that becomes a reality within us before it ever becomes a, an expression from us. Faith. And, and when we talk about working in the Holy Spirit, we're talking about working in faith. 
So when I grew up, everybody, the, the idea of the gifts of the Spirit and the idea of working in the Spirit, the idea of being used by the Spirit, the idea of speaking in tongues and so on and so forth, that was all around me. That's what I knew always. That's, I, I grew up thinking everybody spoke in tongues. One time I found out that people around me, that other people didn't speak in tongues, and I was like, man, they are weird. And later on I realized that we were the ones that were weird because everybody else didn't and we did. And so it's like, no, okay, yeah, maybe we're the weird ones. But that was just normal in my life. That was just normal to me. In fact, in the world that I grew up in, it was taught that if someone didn't experience these things, that they may not be saved. And as the Holy Spirit began leading me out of that understanding of who He is and revealing the grace of God, it changed my dynamic entirely. But I pray that we've, He's allowed me to retain the things that are good things while yet releasing the things that are not of Him. Does that make sense? Okay. I, I, I pray that that is the case because, you know, uh, now I have the privilege of pastoring a church that's an evangelical church in, in every way and seeking more of the Holy Spirit. And I get to be with you in an evangelical church, again, also seeking more of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about how many people are here tonight, and I was thinking, look what the Lord did with 12 people that were dedicated to being used of Him in a way that was beyond human understanding. Look at who's here right now. What could God do with this group? This is more than 12. What could God do with this group of people that are dedicated to being used of Him in a way that is beyond our human understanding? But I want to encourage us in something. I, I, I encourage us not to seek to seek. If our seeking of God's Spirit is not equaled by our reaching to the world that is around us, then our seeking becomes self-focused. If you, if you think about the Pentecostal world, the charismatic world, the, the, the world of the gifts of the Spirit, things can get a little freaky. Let's just be honest about that. Now, there's some things that are freaky because God, we can't understand everything about God. And then there are some things that are freaky because there are freaky people everywhere. And sometimes people just be crazy. And crazy people move in places where crazy things are allowed to happen. Now, understand where I'm coming from. I've got a lot of love for where I come from. I'm not, I'm not degrading it or, or what have you. And, then at, and at the same exact time, let's recognize that when you have a place that has, uh, that has a, a, an openness to it, then people who may not be accepted in other places are drawn there. There is a drawing that's there. So a lot of Pentecostal and charismatic environments will have uh, more, let's say, unique people that, uh, that, are, that gravitate there. And so, you know, understanding who you are, understanding where you are, understanding how the Holy Spirit is going to use you and, and, and use the body that you're in is incredibly important. And having a level of submission to the authority that God has placed in this house and placed over this church, that's incredibly important in order for, for there to be decency and order. Has anybody ever, I won't say it that way. How should I say it? I've heard that there are places in which things are not done decently and in order. And so things get a little out of hand. Um, 
I'm not going to call out any names or any, any places, but you have, you have situations where, where God begins. Okay, so, so we have an, an expression of the Holy Spirit, whatever that may look like. We have an expression of the Holy Spirit, and we know that it's stuff that we're not necessarily going to understand. So we work hard as individuals to break out of our own understanding, lean not into our own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So we're saying, okay, God, uh, like the songs that we were singing just a moment ago, I'm going to sit back here because I can't see everybody, and I, 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 think, you, I think I need to watch you carefully. So uh, the, uh, <laughs> so I'm playing. The, the, uh, so we're, I was thinking about the songs we sang a minute ago, and the, the last song, it's like, I, I want to be refined in a fire. What, who wrote that song? Oh, they're great. They're, they're great. But I don't necessarily agree with all their song. Because I don't know that I want to be refined in this fire. That right there hurts, and I'm not even in it, in the fire, okay? I'm just, I'm just kind of over the fire. And, and, and that hurts. So I don't want to be refined in the fire. But I do want to burn for him, which is the second part of what that chorus says. Am I right? Okay, I do want to burn for him. And when I watch the fire of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, the fire, we see it first in, uh, uh, we see it first, I, I may be off on this, but I think we see it first in the burning bush, where the Spirit is burning the bush, speaking to Moses. The bush is on fire, but it's not consumed, right? Second, uh, we, we see it again in the New Testament, where in the 120 uh, in the upper room, it says that the Holy Spirit sat upon each of them and there was like tongues of fire that sat upon each of them. There's fire, they're burning, they're kind of like candles. The fire is on top of them that was being seen and yet it is not consuming them because it, it is on top of them. They, it is indwelling them, not consuming them. This candle is is going to melt this wax and eventually the candle will be no more. But if the candle, if somehow this flame could be contained within the candle where the can candle was not consumed, that would mean that the candle could burn ad infinitum and continue to give light, continue to give direction. And I think that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Now, it requires, I'm not arguing the theology of the song. It does require that we get burned and that we allow the junk of our life to be get burned away, be burned away by the Holy Spirit. My, my argument with the song is that I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't like being, you know, cleansed by fire. That's, that, that's not fun. And if you say you do, uh, that's, that is tough. Uh, I, I don't like be that, but if that is what is required to be able to be the candle for him in the world, well, then I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to pay the price, but it's a willing price, and it's a price that, that I know I'm going to pay. I, this, isn't, this isn't a price I'm going to pay for a minute and never again. This is a price I'm going to pay for a lifetime because I'm not asking the Holy Spirit to use me periodically. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to live within me consistently. And so when we do that, we know that we enter into a realm that we cannot fully comprehend and understand. And so it opens the doors to all kinds of stuff. Because if someone begins expressing something 
that I cannot understand, I do not comprehend, then how do I know if that is the Holy Spirit or not the Holy Spirit? How do I know it is or isn't the Holy Spirit in me? One of the things years ago that came up, and it, it comes up every, every once in a while, is, um, and, and, and Pastor Jimmy, I am going to say some things here, uh, and then if I'm, if I'm off or if I'm wrong, then I submit to you in this house, and you correct me if, if it, well, if you just don't like it, tell me just leave, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I will. Um, but the, a thing that happened a number of years ago, and it came up around the, in the world that I was in for a while, uh, the idea of people like barking like dogs, clucking like chickens, baying like mules, etc. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's kind of odd. That's, that's different. That's unique. And so there was a, a question as to, well, is, is this or is this not God? Now, I cannot say definitively that something is or is not God in your life, in your expression, and in your experience. So on one hand, this is why these things can occur in a charismatic or Pentecostal environment, okay? On the other hand, I can go back to the Word of God and determine, does this align with the Word of God? And so how I've always identified that or, or determined that for myself and for the churches that I've been privileged to lead is this. In Scripture, when I hear, when I hear conversation between an animal and a person, the animal is speaking in a language that the person can understand, Balaam's donkey. The person is never speaking in a language that the animal can understand. I don't have anything in Scripture that says... And so Peter crowed like the rooster in order to communicate with the rooster or clucked like a chicken. Again, this is not me making fun. This is me trying to say, how do we assess what is the Holy Spirit and what is not the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will always align with the revealed word of God that is forever settled in heaven. And so I, I believe that if we see a place where the Holy Spirit works in that way, manifests in that way, then I think we let it roll. And if, and if it's not, then I think I take every thought into captivity and bring it under subjection to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and anything that is within the realm of the Word of God or within the context of the Word of God, then we let that thing go and we see what God will do with it. So what are some of the things that we see in Scripture that, that, we, can, that we can look at? We can look at uh, the gifts of the Spirit, in operation. But let's watch, but remember what I said a minute ago that if our if our seeking isn't matched with our reaching, then we will find ourselves self-focused. There there are all the gifts of the spirit are always for the edification of other people. There is one gift that we see in, in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul writes, he says, when you speak in tongues and there's no interpretation, then it is for personal edification. If you speak in tongues and it's for the purpose of edifying others, then there will be an interpretation. So this is a way that I can understand. I can understand what he's saying there because what he's telling me, today we would probably call it a prayer language. Somebody might have a personal prayer language. It's not something that they're standing up in the church and giving out, but it's something that maybe they privately pray to the Lord in this language, which the scripture would call tongues, okay? 
But if that is supposed to be used for the edification of the body, then it will always have, a, have a, uh, an interpretation that is connected with it, always. I've, I've been blessed to be used in both of those gifts, both the gift of tongues, praying in personal tongues, and the gift of tongues and interpretation. The two are very, very different. I have not been used in that any time recently. It is not my primary gifting, I don't think. But I, have, I do know that it's very, very different. The point that I'm making to you right now is that when the Holy Spirit is leading, it's not going to cause confusion. It's going to be decent. It's going to be in order. And it is going to edify the body of Christ. Think about what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter is up there and he, he preaches this sermon. How freaky is it that Peter preaches a sermon about what just happened to him two seconds ago and now he explains it to thousands of people. I spent a ton of time in study trying to figure out what I'm about to say to less than thousands of people. And Peter has to just jump up there and say, okay, this happened to me two seconds ago. Let me explain it all. In fact, I'm gonna go back to Joel and I'm gonna explain the whole thing to you all the way from the beginning. And, and that is just, that's a work of the Holy Spirit in and of itself. But now the Holy Spirit is, people are looking up and they're saying, these men are drunk. And it's really early in the day. And they're looking at it with condemnation. And Peter stands up and he says, hey, let me, let me clear this up so that there's no confusion. Let me give you an explanation. And the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, miraculously gives him the ability to explain what just happened a second ago into his life. So even in a moment where, logically speaking, there should have been some confusion here, the Holy Spirit allows clarity to come. So you don't have to get freaked out about the Holy Spirit. Get freaked out about weird. Get freaked out about crazy. Get freaked out about people that are not operating in the Holy Spirit. But don't get freaked out about the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is working in you and when the Holy Spirit is working through you, then it's going to bring a sense of order, a sense of understanding. There will be a peace that comes. One day I was in, uh, I was, I don't know how old I was, but I was still living with my parents, uh, fairly young. And, uh, and after church one Sunday morning, we went to Ponderosa Steakhouse. Anybody remember Ponderosa? Yeah, I have no idea why anybody ate there, but I loved it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I'm, 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 I'm getting my food and, I'm, and, and I, I start walking back to the table and there's two people sitting there, uh, a man and a woman sitting there and I, I passed by them. And when I passed by them, I felt like the Holy Spirit just, just all of a sudden, the thought in my head, like I was saying a second ago, thought in my head was, you need to pray for them. And I went, but mashed potatoes. <laughs> the, uh, I don't think they were real mashed potatoes. I'm just going out on a limb there. But, uh, and, and so I, I just walked on by, but I couldn't get out of my head, couldn't get out of my head. And I was, I was like, oh, man. Couldn't get out of my head because I, you know, I didn't want to say no to the Holy Spirit if that's what it was, but I was really trying to give him an opportunity to go away. And so, and so, but he didn't. And so, here we go. Finally, I looked at my dad and I said, uh, Dad, will you excuse me for a minute? He said, okay. So I got up and I, I thought, do I bring my plate? Do I not bring my plate? <laughs> How weird is this going to be? And so I walked over to him and I'm dressed in a full suit and everything else. They probably thought I was a manager. <laughs> and, 
And so I, I went over to them and I, I knelt down beside their table like this and now I'm looking at them like this. <laughs> I can't make this any weirder than it is, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, hi, this is going to sound weird, but I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. And I was really ready for them to just be like, go away, kid. My dad was big into door knocking, where you just go from door to door, knock on everybody's door, and open up, they open up the door and they say, hey, I'm Bobby Sutton, pastor over at New Life Tabernacle Church, and we're here praying for people, and do you have any needs in your family that we could pray for, anything that we can do to, to benefit you and bless you, and how can we be a blessing to your family and your life? And, uh, and most of the time they'd be like, you know, or, or like, no thanks, or whatever. But, uh, but I remember the day, it was a blue house that my dad walked up. He said, Mike, it's your turn. I was like, oh, yay. Uh, I was probably nine, ten years old whenever, at, at that point. And, uh, my, and I went up there and knocked on the door, and he stayed on the sidewalk. And that was, that was what we did. I said, hi, I'm Micah Sutton with New Life Tabernacle. I'm not a pastor or anything, but uh, uh, we're praying for folks. And um, you need anything? <laughs> you know? and, so, and so, you know, the, the idea of approaching complete strangers and talking to them about Jesus wasn't entirely foreign. But I'm sitting there at this table. I said, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. And that gentleman, I mean... He, he looked he looked kind of scary to me and he just tears just start rolling down his face and I look over at the lady and she's just got her head down like this and she's covering her eyes and and they are they just start weeping and, and I'm like I, I'm feeling a little bit more encouraged in this moment you know and I'm like so can I pray for you and they're like yeah 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 and so, and so I just said, Lord, I don't, I don't remember everything I said, but something like, Lord, I, I don't know this couple, but you do, and you love them, and you care for them, and you want to bless their life right now. And, and, and I prayed for them, and I said, thank you for the privilege of praying for you, and they said, thank you for praying for me, for us. And, and they were just crying, and I went back and sat down at the table, and Dad was like, what's going on, bud? And, uh, and I said, uh, the Lord wanted me to pray for them, and so I just did, and he's like, Good. Finish your food. We got to go. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, and so and, and they they got up and left just a little while later. Had a number of those things happen to me over the years, and I won't tell you every every story. I can't tell you every story. But one thing I can tell you is this: when the Holy Spirit moves upon you, it's important to recognize His voice and to move with Him. Years ago, I told, you, I told you that I'd been used in the gift of tongues and interpretation. Well, long, not long after I'd started preaching around 16 years old, I was, sitting, I was sitting there in a service, and I felt the Holy Spirit start moving on me to give a tongue. I didn't know if I would have the interpretation or not. I'd never done that before. But I, I knew that I was supposed to give the tongue. It was very odd. It was a very weird feeling, very different than the normal speaking in tongues that I had done since I was young. And, uh, and, and when it came upon me, I was just like, ooh, uh, and I did not give it. Didn't give it. A few minutes later, somebody else began to speak out in tongues, and, and the service went on. A couple weeks went by, and 
and I'm in the uh, service and suddenly the spirit speaks to me again and I, I can tell I'm supposed to give the tongue and, and I battled with it, I fought with it, I, I was, uh, I'm not sure and oh Lord and, and, and all the things that you do to say I, I don't want to do this really, I'm scared and, um, and the, the, some, somebody else began to speak and I sat there quietly and, and that feeling passed. A third time that happened to me and a third time I refused it. I was like, okay. I didn't think anything of it. But months went by, and I didn't feel that again. Years went by, and I did not feel the Holy Spirit using me like he had at one time. And I was, and I began to, uh, I, 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 by that time I had moved into pastoral ministry. I was an associate pastor of a church out in California. Then then my wife and I planted a church in the, uh, the suburbs of Chicago. And, um, and I'm praying one morning. We actually lived in the basement of the church. It was, we lived in, two, uh, in a Sunday school room. We knocked one of the little alls out and lived in one of the Sunday school rooms. Uh, uh, two kids, actually Christy was eight months pregnant when we moved there. Our, his, our second son's first crib was the second drawer in our, in our dresser. And, uh, and uh, we just didn't have any other space. And, and we, for some reason, we had two cats and a dog. And I'm not sure. <laughs> we were called. We weren't smart, <laughs> you know. So, and, so we, and so here we are. And, and I get up, I'm up in the sanctuary praying that morning. And, and I suddenly was like, I, I realized I have not been used in the gifts of the Spirit for years. Ever since I said no three times in a row to, to, to the Spirit in that moment, I'd never forgotten it. I'm not telling you that there's a magical number three, that if this happens three times, then you know this is going to happen, whatever. One of the mistakes I think we make in dealing with the Holy Spirit is that we try to make it formulaic versus relational. So we say, well, okay, so if you sing three songs... And then one of them is in this key, one of them is that key, and one of them is the third key. And if you transpose up three keys in that second song, then that's when the Holy Spirit really moves. And, and if you turn around, pat your head, pat your head, and rub your belly three times, then God really does something special. It's not a formula like that. There may be some things that become standard in your way of connecting with the Lord. Like there might be a song that just seems to connect with you in a way. Or there might be a scripture verse, or there may be a moment. That's not formulaic, though. That's relational. When I look at my wife of now 24 years, there are, there are moments in our marriage, in, in, in our home, where I can look across the house. I can look across. She, she uh, works in the, in the uh, sound booth on Sunday mornings. I can be standing on the stage, and I can look across at her. And there can be hundreds of people sitting in that room. And, and I look across at her. We don't say a word. We can't say a word, but we have a whole conversation just in looks at one another. Why? Because there's a relationship there. Sometimes it requires words, but sometimes it doesn't. And then the Holy Spirit, there's a relationship that's there that when you spend time with him, it develops. And so I'm not telling you that there's anything special about the number three. I'm just telling you that in my life, I knew that three times I had shut him down. And, and then for years, he didn't try to use me in any gifts at that point. And I, I got on my knees that day and I just said, Lord, I am not willing to pastor a church where the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation. 
And I know that it has to start from me. I know that it has to start from the top. At least the desire has to start from the top. And so I'm asking you right now to release the gifts of the Spirit. And if you want to use me in these gifts, then I'm open to you. I'm open to you. A couple weeks went by, and that Sunday I'm preaching. We, we may have more people here right now than we had in our church at the time. When we started the church, it had literally zero people in it. We were the entire church, our family. Christy had, she was eight months pregnant with, with Tyrion, and so she had him a couple of, just a you know, few weeks after we arrived in Chicago. So we were having, we were having incredible church growth right then and right there. <laughs> we grew by a fourth in seconds. It was beautiful. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and so the, uh, so we're, 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 a couple weeks went by and we're, we're having service and I'm, I'm preaching or I'm singing. I don't remember what I was doing. I was doing something. And I felt that spirit come upon me. I felt that presence. I, f- I felt that moment of tongues and interpretation. And I went, really? Of, of all the gifts, how about prophecy? I've been used in prophecy before. I've, I've, been used in, I've been used in word of knowledge before. Why, why this one? The one that freaks me out a bit. Why, why this one? But that's what it was. And I think it was the Holy Spirit just saying, all right. Go on with your bad self. <laughs> I don't know if the Holy Spirit says that. Just be, <laughs> to be clear, okay. Yeah, but, he's, but, he's, uh, but, but here it was. And I thought, man, I, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I know about the tongues part. I'm not worried about, I, I, you know, I can do the tongues. I speak in tongues. That's not a problem. But I don't know who's going to interpret. So I went in, I said, all right, I'm jumping in. So I, I did. I can't, I can't say I want it and then not do it. So I jumped in with both feet and I gave the tongue there. Spoken tongues for a few minutes, and then it lifted. It was gone. Um, that presence, that, that, that feeling was, was just, it was there, then it wasn't. And so I stopped. And I'm waiting for a moment. And I'm wanting, I'm like, okay, I've never been used in interpretation. Nobody else here that I know of has been used in interpretation. So how in the world is this going to work? And all of a sudden, one word popped into my head. One word. And I went... Okay, I'm waiting for the rest of it so that I can give it. Nothing came. One word. So, but I could feel, I could sense this is the presence of the Holy Spirit here. There's no question in my life about that. So I just said one word. I don't even remember what it was. Something like for or the or a. One word. As soon as I said the one word, another one word popped into my head. And I said that word. And then another one word popped in my head and I said that word and another one word and I said that word and another one word and I said that word. Another one word and I said that word. And by the end of it all, I frankly could not tell you what I had said. I had to go back and listen to the tape. Y'all remember tapes? I had to go listen to the tape to find out what I had said because I was so focused on one word. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's asking you to do one thing. He's not asking you to know the end of the story. You're not the one that knows the things from the beginning to the end. You're not the Alpha and the Omega. But he is. And so sometimes he's just saying, will you, will you give the one word? Will you give the one word of encouragement? Will you, give the one, will you say the one word that I give you? 
and just trust that I will give you whatever is next at the right time. I don't know what God has for Washington Church. I don't know what God has for you personally. I'm not telling you that somebody needs to jump up on Sunday morning and give a tongue and an interpretation. You might freak everybody out. Somebody came to... I'm not going to tell that story. The, uh, sometimes the Lord gives us wisdom, see? The gift of wisdom right there in operation. The, uh, so, so I'm not telling you that because it, if it's going to cause confusion, it will not be from the Holy Spirit. But if it is from the Holy Spirit, are you willing to give that one word? Are you willing to give that one thing? Are you willing to pray that for that one person? Are you willing to pray that one prayer? Are you willing... Are you willing to hear that word and give it? Now, what if you're wrong? What if you give it and you're wrong? So one time in my life, I was praying for a family, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, they, are, they do not tithe. If they will trust me in tithing, I will give them the child that they're praying for. Now, that is a freaky word to hear. Number one, it's about tithing, which I don't spend a whole lot of time on tithing. And number two, it's about childbearing, which is a heartbreaking situation for somebody who is praying for a child. And I frankly didn't know if they were praying for a child, and I didn't know anything about it. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm, boy, Lord, if this ain't you, then I'm a sunk duck in a second. I'm just telling you. And so... And so I walked over to, I'm not suggesting you try this or do this first time out, okay? I'm just saying that I knew it was the Lord, so I walked over to him and I said, Michael and Mariana is their names, and I said, uh, I said, guys, I don't know if you tithe or not. I've never looked, never asked. But this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit said to me today. And they said, they, she just burst out crying. She said, we've been praying for a child for so many months and, and, and then years, and we've not been able to conceive and, and so on and so forth. And so uh, that month they started tithing. Two months later, she was pregnant. Um, and they have beautiful, a couple of beautiful children. And uh, just awesome, awesome. Um, most of the time what I say is if you're not tithing, God's going to give you more children. And people start tithing right away, right away. Uh, yeah. I'm joking. I don't say that. But that would be super funny if I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a little while later, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me about somebody else, not at all in the same vein. And I gave them the word that I believe that God gave to me. And to date, I have not seen that come to pass. I have watched them try to explain it a number of different ways. Sometimes if the Holy Spirit gives you us a word, we'll try to make something fit what the Lord said. I even find myself trying to do it. Like if the Lord says, you know, I'm going to give you a car and you end up with a skateboard, you're like, well, it's mobile. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. No, no, it's not. You know, it's not, it's not the same thing at all. But we try to make it be the same thing, and it's really a lack of faith on our part. And, and, I have, and I've recognized that a couple of times now I've, uh, when I've heard their explanation of what the Lord had done to fulfill that promise, um, I have, I've, I've wanted to adopt it, and yet to date I've not been able to adopt it because it's just not, it's not what I felt like he said. And I've talked to the Lord personally and said, Lord, I, 
if I was wrong, I'm sorry. If I've somehow missed it and misled them, I'm sorry. I ask you to release them and release me from that. But I still don't have that either. And it's been years. Could I have been wrong? Yeah, could have been wrong. Could have been wrong. So what do you do if you, if you were wrong? You suck it up. The only, the only perfect one ever has been Jesus. He never made a wrong statement. He always said what the Father told him. He was always really clear on it. And it helps that he was the Son of God and God made flesh. But he was operating as humanity and he did it right. I don't always get it right. So I encourage us not to use, thus saith the Lord, too much. You know, some people like to say the Lord told them many things. Sometimes, I think sometimes the Lord speaks to some people in a 10 minutes more than he's spoken to me in my entire life directly. But understand that the Lord gives you a mind. He gives me a mind. So the Lord doesn't have to tell me to brush my teeth in the morning. If he has to tell you, the Lord told me to brush my teeth today. Hmm, probably not. It was probably just a good idea to brush your teeth. Because if God did tell you to brush your teeth, he never speaks to just hear himself talk. He speaks to make a difference. So if God speaks to you, it's going to edify somebody's life. It's going to make a difference in somebody's life. It might be yours. It might be your family's. It might be a friend's. It might be a coworker. It might be a church member. It might be somebody around you that you have influence with. It is always going to edify somebody. And so if God is constantly speaking to you about stuff that is edifying nobody, then you're just listening to your own self-talk. But if God is speaking to you, if God says, thou shalt brush your teeth today, then it's going to be for a purpose. You're going to see later on that day, you're going to see something where it's going to make an impact or a difference. Because again, if I'm seeking, but I'm not reaching, then it really is just all about me. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about making a difference in somebody else's life. And so, if he's talking, it's for the purpose of making a difference. And when he speaks, then the only answer that we have, like I've answered my father for many years, is, yes, sir but I don't understand it, and yes, sir. This is going to make me uncomfortable, and yes, sir. And I'm not going to like this, and yes, sir. Because at the, on the other side of the yes, sir, on the other side of the obedience, is always edification. I've got one thing out of all the years that I've been being used of the gifts of the Spirit, one thing that I've said, that I've given to somebody, and it has not occurred the way, well, yet, it has not occurred yet. Was I wrong? Maybe. And if I was, it was me that was wrong, not the Lord that was wrong. But would I say it again? Hmm. I probably, I, I, if he said it again, I would say it again. I would say it again. Last thing I'll say, and then we can close in prayer. The Bible says, let in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. 
And that, that also involves the gifts of the Spirit. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a thing that is, is sensitive. And if it, if it is a sensitive thing, then it's a, a positive thing to go to people that you know are used of the gifts of the, in the gifts of the Spirit and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling in the Holy Spirit. Can you, can you help me verify that? In our, in our church, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation at Five Lakes Church, a.k.a. McCordville Christian Church, but they are not, they're not on display. When the Lord uses you, He doesn't make much of you. He makes much of Himself. And so they're not on display for everybody to see. And there, there have been people that have come to the church and they have wanted to be used in the gifts of the Spirit on a, in a public manner, and I have basically told them no. Um, if the church, if that was the culture of the church and it would not cause confusion, I wouldn't have a problem with it. The culture of the churches that I grew up in, if somebody popped up and said, Thus saith the Lord! Well, then everybody would stop and listen to what thus saith. I don't know why God always speaks in King James English. He hasn't caught up with the times. But thus saith. I did hear an old story about a lady who's used in tongues and interpretation, and, but she and another old lady in the church were, were angry at one another because they were vying for who was going to be the official accordion player of the church. And, and one lady wanted it and the other lady wanted it, and they kept going back and forth. And finally, one lady was up on the stage and she was playing that accordion, and the other lady, there was a tongue that was given, and that other lady jumped up and she said, Thus saith the Lord, and everybody stopped and everybody was listening. And she said, get thine down off thine high horse with thine accordion. That wasn't the Lord. I've heard that for years. That's a story that's been gone around when I, from the time I was a little kid. I don't even know if it's true. I think that it is. I've been told it was, but I don't know for sure. The Lord will always make much of himself. He won't make much of us. And he really doesn't give a rip who's playing the accordion. Okay. But in, in the situation where God is, is speaking and somebody says, I, I, want to, I want to do this in a way that's in front of everybody, that's saying, I want to make much of me. But the gifts are in operation consistently. And they're in operation whenever a brother goes to a brother and says, hey, I've been praying for you, and, and this is what I feel in my heart concerning you. That's a much better way than saying, the Lord said. Because... If you know the Lord said, and you've got some confidence in that, and you know the Holy Spirit's used you in this way before, and you want to say the Lord said, go for it. Go for it. If that's what the Lord said. But if the Lord said, it'll always align with his word, and it'll always be confirmed in the individual. And so the Lord, but if, you, if you're not certain of that, then just take the pressure off a little bit and say, hey, this is what I, I feel in my heart concerning you. If it's the Lord that's speaking, it's going to be the Lord either way. It's going to edify, it's going to bless, it's going to benefit, and it doesn't have the ability to harm his faith and yours if you're just wrong. So I encourage you, be used to the gifts. Seek the gifts. That's a commandment in Scripture for us, to seek the gifts. But do it with humility. Don't believe that you're always going to be right. You may not be. Don't do it from the standpoint of, I want... Always do it from the standpoint of, I serve. If you, and this, this, is my, this is my opinion completely, but I think it's backed up by the word. If you will focus on building your relationship with him, then he will direct how you begin to bless them.
I've been used in almost all the gifts that I'm aware of. They're not all, they're not all my primary gifts. I've, I've prayed for people and they've been healed instantly, come out of hospital beds, told they were dying, family all there, given 24 hours to live, and that Sunday they and all the family members that came to visit them to say goodbye were all in church with us. And she's still alive today. And then I've prayed for people and then a few days later did their funerals. I wouldn't say healing's my primary gift. But it is a gift that I'm used in. I'm never going to stop praying for people. If a word of knowledge is there, I'm going to give it. Yet you're talking about your gifts. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but you're not, you don't feel you're bragging in any way? No, because I can't create it. I, I could pray for everybody in this room right now and not a single person be healed. I, I could try to give a, a tongue, but I can't give it without the Holy Spirit giving it to me. I can't give an interpretation without him giving it to me. Oh, I could just make stuff up. But anybody that has any sense of discernment in the room would be able to say, you know, he's a charlatan. That's a good word. It's not a good word, but it's a good word. It's, you know, and you'd be able, you'd know that if, if you discerned the spirit there. I was, in, I was invited to a Benny Hinn crusade. Anybody ever heard of Benny Hinn? Okay, so some people think he's great. Some people think he's crazy. I, whatever you feel about him. I was invited to a crusade and I was like, eh, I don't know. But then the guy said, and I'll pay for it. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And, and I, I'd never been to one before. And so I show up, and I'm, I'm in this crusade with thousands of people. And without a question, the Holy Spirit is moving. Now, my whole life, I'd been told that Benny Hinn was a charlatan. Okay? And I'm standing there. And he does some things in that crusade. He did some things in that crusade I will never understand and do not agree with biblically. Straight up. And yet... I knew, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And many people testified of their healing, both people that went up to the front to be healed and people that didn't go up to the front to be healed. So I went back home and I was totally confused. I'm like, God, that don't make no sense. How in the world are you going to use, is that of you or is that not of you? Is that tricks of the enemy? Is that not tricks of the enemy? What is this? And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit said. If Bozo the Clown was on that stage and a thousand people showed up with faith to believe that I was going to do something, then I'd do something. Because it's not Bozo that's causing the thing to happen. And let's, let's replace It's not Micah, a.k.a. Bozo, that would cause anything to happen. If that were the truth, then, man, there's a lot of things I'd be making happen. But I can't make it happen. And if, I, and if I'll take credit for it, if I, if I take credit for the good things that happens, then I have to take responsibility for the bad things. I don't want responsibility for the bad things. So I don't take credit for the good things. So am I bragging? No. But am I confident in who I am and what God has done and what God can do? 100%. Confirming that God did use you. Like you're mm-hmm. giving examples that if you are obedient... God will use you, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, I did this, just the word you were obedient. Absolutely. Key, key component. I love this. Anybody else want to talk? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not kidding. That, that wasn't a joke. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, or theories. I'm kind of famous for saying that. <laughs> you, you talk about 
talking about edifying, but what about when it's a hard word? Okay, that's a great question. Biblically speaking, a hard word, if it's an edifying word, hard words are going to come through spiritual authority. Okay, so if somebody has if somebody has a relationship with that person, authority within that person's life that that person has given them, I'm a pastor, but I have no pastoral authority over anybody's life that doesn't give that to me. I don't care if they call me Pope, Holy Father, Reverend; it doesn't matter. Or if they just call me Micah. The fact of the matter is that that's a relationship. That's not a uh, that's not a position that I get to claim all by myself. And so. So in that, if someone has given me the authority to speak into their life in that manner, well, then I can give a word of correction. But if I, but if I don't have the relationship to do that, then the scripture tells me that I need to be, that the gifts of the spirit are for the edifying of the saints. The body ministering to the body is always edifying. Anytime in scripture where I see the body uh, being um, corrected, it's always through the authority of relationship. Uh, Paul, um, Peter, uh, you, can, you can, anytime I see, any, anytime I see a correction, it's always through authority. So sometimes people will use the gifts of the Spirit as a uh, reasoning to correct somebody that they don't like or agree with, aka come down off thine high, ho thine high horse with thine accordion, okay? Um, that's me trying to enforce my will in the situation. And that's not God. But uh, so it is my, this is my opinion, Pastor Jimmy, you do with it whatever you like or correct me or whatever. But, the, uh, but it is my opinion that if there's correcting to be done at Five Lakes Church, it's going to come through, it's going to come through either a relational correction or a church position correction in that uh, one of the pastors of the church, etc. If Sister Susie is going over to Brother Jim and saying, let me tell you something, buddy, because the Holy Spirit said, and, and he's going to get you for that, that is not biblical in my opinion. And so, uh, yeah. Does that answer your question? It does, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? I love this stuff. I'm really struggling with you said God spoke to you and he called you stupid. Yeah. So do you feel like that was God sounds like your voice? I think that God speaks to us in ways that we'll get. Um, when when the, the angel could have talked to Balaam, but he didn't. The donkey saw the angel. And then God didn't open Balaam's eyes to see the angel until after the donkey talked about it. So God was like, Balaam, I've tried to talk through you a couple of times. You keep going around me or trying to get around me, so I'm going to use a donkey. You can't quite ignore the fact that Eeyore is talking to you right now. And so, uh, you know, get your attention. I don't think, I, I think God had been trying to get my attention for a long time, and it was just in that moment. I don't think God is uh, particularly um, derisive towards us in one way or another, you know. And I, I tell that, that's a story I've told for many years now in ministry because it was such an impacting thing. And your question has been asked of me many, many times. I think it just, I think that's how God had to get a hold of me. Like my parents, they were raised in good Christian homes by good Christian parents and yet walked away. And it's in the middle of being high as kites, talking about revelation of all things. Why in the world would you do that? 
And yet that's how God ends up connecting with them in a way. I'm not suggesting everybody go get hide in order to hear Jesus, okay? Yes, ma'am. Why do you think you're so rich in so many gifts? I mean, you have so many gifts. Why is that? Is it because you were raised so young uh, among so many gifts? I mean, you were raised with the option of understanding the gifts and, I mean, because, I mean, mm -hmm. I was raised Catholic. We sure. have no gifts. Mm -hmm. We don't have gifts. And it wasn't until, you know, I became an evangelical that Pastor I even heard the Let's word gifts. You? And mm -hmm. so, you know, you're really gifted <laughs> to have the gift of well. this and the gift of that and the gift of tongues and the gifts of mm -hmm. understanding and the gift of healing and you know well, let me, I only understood yes. these terms of gifts for just a couple of years and to hear that you have and to hear that you're so gifted I just am well let, let, let's, let's take a step back for one second number one uh, let's recognize like in the scripture the scripture talks about um, all of these miracles that happen but sometimes there are hundreds of years in between the miracles that happened you know, and so it's not like every day all these amazing things were occurring, uh, but we just read about it in a short time. I've talked to you for 48 minutes, thereabouts, and in 48 minutes, I've talked about 45 years of life. Right. And so it seems like gift, 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 gift. And, and that's, in my experience of, of living it out, it hasn't been that way. It's been seasons where certain things would happen, and then seasons where nothing would happen. And then on, on the flip side, I think I have been blessed to be around, uh, raised in an environment where, where it was so common and so normal, not that everybody had all these gifts, but that it was an accepted thing to do that. Mm -hmm. I also think that if God is calling you into certain areas of leadership, that, that he gives us certain levels of experience that we get to uh, enjoy to help us lead. It's hard to lead people where you've never been. And so even if I'm there for two seconds, even if uh, gifts of uh, tongue and interpretation, which I've given you two examples of, okay. I don't know either. I don't know what tongue is. Sure, okay. That's a great thing to, to, to know that I didn't two seconds ago. And so, uh, and that, so speaking in tongues is speaking a language that you did not know and that you cannot understand, you did not learn and you cannot understand. And so, it, in, in some ways, it's just speaking gibberish. But it's not gibberish because the Holy Spirit is moving in you and through you. And uh, the scripture would define it as groanings that cannot be uttered. So things that you, when you don't know what else to say, suddenly you start speaking in this language that you did not learn and cannot understand. Even, even as you're speaking it, you do not understand what you're saying. Anyone else in the room understand it? Uh, not typically. Oh, okay. And, and that's where the interpretation comes in. Uh, and, and so the interpretation, if it's for the benefit of everybody, if it's for just the benefit of the individual, then the individual speaks in tongues, and it's commonly called a, a personal prayer language. You can hear that in many different, uh, many different circles. It doesn't have to be Pentecostal or Charismatic or Evangelical circles. Prayer languages are fairly, well, they're not uncommon anymore. Uh, but that's what that would be. 
And that's why people call them prayer languages, because when you say speaking in tongues, people go, what? Whenever you say prayer language, people are like, oh, okay, it's a prayer language. You know, it's it like makes it more palatable, okay? But the, the way the, the scripture would, def, would term it would be tongues. And so the interpretation is, to, is for people who don't know what was just said, because none of us would, uh, to say, okay, this is what the Lord is saying. So that's God giving the interpretation of what had just been said. And I really appreciate you sharing that with just now, because there may be others in the room that are in an equal place, and I just didn't know that. So I really appreciate you saying that. That's awesome. Um, but no, I don't think that I'm particularly gifted in all things, although I can say that I have been blessed to be used in a number of the gifts. I just, it's just not all the time. It's very rarely. Tongues and interpretation, maybe three times in 45 years. And once I blew it, or three times I blew it, and then maybe two times after that. So every, every long once in a while. Healing would be the same thing, every long once in a while. Um, but some people, I've got a friend of mine, He's not used in a lot of gifts, but he is used consistently in healing. Well, he will pray for people and people will get healed. And that's just a, a gift that, and I've asked the Lord about it. You know, why, why is Jonathan pray for people and, and they get healed? I, I was standing in a, 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 a place one time where this girl, she was a cheerleader and she, and she was all jacked up. She had really hurt her back, twisted it all up. She couldn't even hardly walk to the front. The doctor was talking about um, surgery. And, and she came up to the front, and Jonathan prayed for her. And he was like, do you, do you feel better? And she's like, no, uh, yeah, I feel better, but I'm not, you know, it's not all gone. So he prayed for her again. He's like, how do you feel now? She said, eh, it's a lot better. I, can, I mean, I can move. I, I'm good now. And he said, no, let's pray again. So they prayed again. And, uh, and then and by the, they prayed three times. And at the end of the third time, he said, how do you feel? She said, I feel great. He said, okay, well, let's see if it's right. And so she asked her mother, and her mother said, okay. And she did backflips all across the uh, front of the church. She couldn't even walk up there. And now she's doing backflips across the front of the church. And so why Jonathan is used specifically in that gift as often as he is, I can't explain to you. But uh, gift of wisdom, I, I think I use that fairly regularly. Gift of communication, I can't stop talking. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Do you, for us that are trying to learn to like connect with the spirit, could you say that there was an instance or like a change in your heart or mind that kind of like uh, transformed this opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use you more? Do you feel like there was a change that so you start noticing that God was utilizing you? Could you speak to that? So the first time I ever experienced God in that level, I was like five years old. And then 16 is where I had a radical change. And one of the things that, that, that I experienced, and I, I'm not, I wanna be careful because I remember this isn't formulaic, it's relational. So in my own life, it, it became an, an openness of um, emotion. Sometimes we, we think that the Holy Spirit, we, we wanna divorce emotion from the work of the spirit because we don't want the spirit the spiritual thing to become just emotional things with us and i would agree with that if it's emotion driven then it can get us in all kinds of trouble if it's spirit driven that's what we want so but yet at the same time god works through us in in whole 
And so when I felt that about, when I walked by those people, probably the gift that I'm, that I'm used in more than any other is that word of knowledge to go pray for those people or to, to, to mention this to this person and so on and so forth. And when I experience that, usually it's, I, I feel a sense of emotion there. I sense a, sense a tightening in my chest. I, there, there's something that affects me internally in a way that, that nothing else really does. Mm -hmm. um, even backing up mm -hmm. those experiences, yes. do you feel like um, there was an acceptance, like what you had said, like, I denied you, and so now I'm, like when you denied him. Yes. And then you said, okay, God, like, I am fully open to you. Do you feel like that did help change, where he, he you know, like you spoke to him, you made that promise to him, I want to be fully used. Do you feel like there was a point, even prior to that, that do you feel that when you walked by those people, you felt that because at some point in your life, you were open to those things? Do you feel like there was a self-openness to that in order for that to flow? And I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, yes, I do. But uh, what I'm, where, I'm where I'm struggling a little bit is because of how I was raised, and it was so much around me. And I watched my parents work in the gifts like of this nature uh, and others around me. I, I think that I had somewhat of an unfair advantage in that aspect of things. But, what I, but in my own life, when I said to him, yes, I, I guess for me it became I'm unwilling to live life without that connection to you, Lord. And... Uh, and, and, and when that happened, I think that's why he tested me the way that he did, by giving, by wanting to use me in the singular gift that I was so kind of freaked out by, really, you know. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, you know, I, I responded. Now, I'm, I'm happy that he doesn't do that to me all the time, but my point just is that I think that that level of openness that says, okay, you know, there's an old love song. I can't live if living is without you. I can't something else, something else, and something anymore. You know, I, I really know the song well. And uh, but but I think that we have to come to a place in Christ where we say. And and frankly, I don't know that you would be sitting in this room right now for this amount of time with with somebody that you don't even know if you were not hungry for that. And so I, I think just in what you're doing right now is a huge step in that direction. And I th it's my opinion that if you're here, the Holy Spirit is going to try to work through you. He is going to give you that moment where he says, okay, what's your name? Ma Madison. He's going to say, okay, Madison, uh, I want, you know, you're going to have that thought that pops into your head. Uh, pray for that person. Or, or I want you, or maybe it's, maybe it's not pray for them. Maybe it's intercede for them right now. And so you take yourself to your car, maybe you're in Target, and you take yourself to the car, and you say, Lord, I, you put that person's face in your mind, and you start interceding for them. And the more he sees you respond to what he gives you, the more he's going to give you. It, it, it's the same thing in pastoring. The, the more we're faithful over the little things, the more things he gives in, in every aspect of life. I just want to give a testimony that uh, the Lord, through His Spirit, was showing me different things about different people. And at one point, I saw something in a person that was very disturbing to me. It was very dark and, and ugly. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't even describe it. It was just such a horrible feeling. 
and it was a person that um, was uh, an in-law. And I told God at that point I didn't want to see things like that, that I was unwilling because at, at the point uh, of my Christian maturity, I don't believe I was ready for it. Mm -hmm. And it was years mm. before the Lord gave me any more of knowledge about anybody. Mm. So, sure, yeah. yeah if, if you don't take what he gives you, Amen. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. So with like uh, prophecy, the gift of prophecy and edifying, uh, is it somewhere biblical or have you experienced where you get a word or a vision for the purpose of prayer and not necessarily for the purpose of that conversation or going forward with it to someone else? Or is prophecy a gift that is, if you're getting a word, then you should be then sharing it? Or can it be used for that purpose of like, this is now what I'm praying for, this is on my heart, et cetera, I'm praying? Or should it, you know, is it an either or? Is it, no, mostly this is on your heart, like you mm -hmm. should be sharing it with someone because you're edifying someone else with that. That's, that's a, yes, it's a phenomenal question. And I would say that you are you being used in the gift of wisdom to ask that question. Because, uh, because the, the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So what that means is that, it, that when God gives, if God's going to use you in, a, in the word of prophecy, then if for that moment, maybe not for a lifetime, but for that moment, you were a prophet, okay? Because you're being used in the gift of prophecy. That's what a prophet is. And so if, if God is using you in that gift in that moment, then uh, he will also give you the wisdom as to whether you're supposed to share it or not. But the, the gift, the, the, when the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, what it's teaching us is that just because you have a word from God doesn't mean you need to share a word from God. Um, it means that you have been given a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. Word of prophecy is a, is a word of knowing. It's not always a futuristic thing. Oftentimes the word of prophecy is confirming what already is uh, in a person's life, but you don't know that. Uh, and, and maybe a direction, maybe a vision, maybe it could be all kinds of things, but you don't know that. Um, we could go through all kinds of scripture on that, but for now, take my word for it and then be like a Berean and study yourself, study it out and know what the Lord says, what the word says about it. But the, um, so the, so sometimes the, the prophet will, will receive a word and then they'll give a word. Um, I'm, we don't have any kids in here, so I'm going to just tell the story like I know it. Uh, a gentleman was preaching. He's used in the gift of prophecy. He was preaching in a particular church, and he was, uh, he was given a word that a, one of the people in the church was having an affair with somebody else in the church. And because he did not use wisdom or discernment, he just said that you are having an affair with that person right over there. And, and he was absolutely 100% right, and he destroyed the church over it. That came out, when that was done, it, it jacked up the church entirely. And a church that was strong and blessing its community suddenly was no more because people were tied up in that situation. What he should have done, God gave him a word, 
What he should have done is waited till after the service was over, get people in a quiet place, or go tell the pastor, he wasn't the pastor of the church, and allow the leadership of the church to handle it according to the Word of God and according to their leadership protocols that they had in that congregation. That's what should have happened. That's why I keep saying to Pastor Jimmy, if I'm saying something that you don't like, or if I'm if I, in this moment, if we were at Five Lakes Church, I have the authority at Five Lakes Church spiritually. That's what's been given to me by the, by the elders of Five Lakes Church and by the congregation of Five Lakes Church. But in this house, I'm a guest. I have only the authority that Pastor Jimmy has al allowed me to have. And so he has the ability to shut me up at any moment um, and never invite me back again. Okay, And so because he can do that, I have to submit myself to the authority of the house. So if I had a word of prophecy for you, this is what I do at Five Lakes. If somebody has a word of prophecy that they feel is for the church, they come to me. Or they go to Pastor Benton or one of the other pastors on the staff and they, and they give that to them. It is our job to be gatekeepers within the house. And so, I, so you can agree or you can disagree, but the way we do it is say, tell us what it is. If we feel like it's for the church, then we will share it with the church or allow you to share it with the church. If we don't feel like it's for the church, then we won't. And, and we make the call on that um, because we believe that God's given us the, the charge of being the gatekeeper. But for, for the prophet, the first gatekeeper is the prophet themselves to say, okay, is this something to be shared overall or is this something that needs to be kept? So this is a long question to a short, uh, a long answer to a short question, but I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to give you a comprehensive understanding biblically of what I see um, and, and how I believe it should be done. If it's done decently and in order and operates through the, the leadership of the church, Pastor Jimmy, the elders, whatever the polity is and the process is at Washington Church, then what it's going to do is bring strength to the body and it's going to bring wholeness to the body. It's an opportunity for healing. That situation that I just shared with you, that could have brought healing to the body instead of ripping it apart. But it was handled without wisdom and therefore it, it, it did rip it apart. What is that? I'm sorry. No, go. So with that being said, in the contracts of the church, I guess that makes so much logical sense. When you take it outside of necessarily the church building where there's that structure, mm -hmm. you're taking it into ministries other places, or when I say ministry, I just kind of mean like I'm a volleyball coach. That's the yes. ministry. So awesome. Like, when you're in those type of situations and you have those words and there's not a clear structure, mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess that's more of a thought I'm throwing out there in the sense of I'm trying to relate it to other things. Absolutely. Um, and then... Then you go, you're the gatekeeper. Hey! <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. Um, and that answers that. I think once I said it out loud, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing is like time-wise. Because I feel like even when you're talking and different things I've experienced, it's kind of like, it feels like God loves to have us wait for things. And mm -hmm. also there's the Holy Spirit, the urgency within the Holy Spirit and listening at those times. Like they put times. Is, are there instances in the Bible, et cetera, where the Holy Spirit puts something there and says, okay, here's a word or here's this or here's that, but you're going to wait to do X? Or is it... Okay, here it is. This is your. It's, it's a great question. My favorite example of that is Isaiah twenty, uh, uh, Isaiah twenty nine eleven, for the, the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I, I, Isaiah's and Jeremiah's. I mean, 
Same thing. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So, Jeremiah, thank you. It was hanging on my wall for years. Okay. To me, it's one of the most un- misused passages of Scripture that's out there. Uh, because he says, the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, they are for this and they are for that and they are for all these wonderful things. Generations went by. All of those people that heard that died. And then the prophecy came to pass. That's probably not what they thought when they heard it. They were probably like, yes, next week we're leaving. And it didn't happen that way. But they still spoke it immediately. They didn't hold it. Exactly. Is that what you were asking? Yeah, so it's kind of like if you're getting a word, et cetera, is there an instance where God's like, this is your word, pray, et cetera, and then I'll tell you when to reveal it? Or is it more of like, hey, this is the time, you know, does that make sense? It, no, it completely okay. does. I'm, I'm racking my brain, and, and I'm trying to think of an example biblically where that, it, that is there. The, I do believe you can hold the prophecy until you feel a release in your spirit to give it. I, I fully believe that. I think you would be right. I'm trying to think. I'm still processing in the back of my computer uh, what if, if I can come up with a, a, a time biblically where that exact situation occurred. How about uh, Mary? She pondered those things in her heart. Well, she, so that, this is just what came mm-hmm. to me is you know, the angel spoke to her the truth or pro- prophetic word and it took place, right? But then she carried it and then it came into the world. So both happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's great. So there's a place for, there's a place for both. And discernment is the key. Wisdom and discernment is the key. I pray for wisdom more than I pray for anything, probably, as far as an expression of the Spirit in my life. Yes, ma'am. Somebody. Go ahead. It's actually not a question. Um, I just wanted to add something, so Pastor Jimmy, please stop me if it's uh, out of line. Um, But to also add to the questions you were asking, Um, In my personal, very small little walk that I've had, I've noticed that God has um, put my path parallel with people who um, our giftings played off each other. And um, so for me personally, I've seen um, that I was paired with some people with wisdom that were farther along than me. And while I first trusted God, and while I first took it to God and spoke with Him, I never looked for to men for validation. I did trust that God gave me a body to um, bounce things off of, and spiritual mentors to bounce, bounce those things off of. When I was like, oh, I just, if you want to speak more on that, it just, I wanted to add that. I want to speak. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, you know, we're all here because we want, mm-hmm. we want to like live this out, right? And so it's like, you know, I don't want to take away from you because, like, you're not. I mean, I want to learn from you. But this isn't about me. And I don't know if this is supposed to be a group thing or not, so I'm like hesitant. But I just feel, I just feel this pull to like ask you: Do you ever feel like you're being told like a word or to share something, and you're like, well, I don't know if this is the right time or if they're going to be accepted of this because I don't even know if they're a believer or like this is that volleyball, so I don't know if this is appropriate. So, God, I'm just going to pray on this and let you live that out instead of doing it. Do you ever feel that? Or- um, I think I've been given different things. I'm so comfortable. If you don't know Jesus, 
my comfort level actually goes up. Sure. It's the opposite. Mm. If you do, if you know, if I have a relationship with you, if you do know Jesus, etc., my comfort level starts to kind of go down on that. So there's been different words and different things that I've had that I'm like, if I don't feel the urgency, I guess, or that like inkling where God's like being very specific and like, no, go talk to this person and go have that conversation. That's when I struggle because I like love the direction. I'm like, yeah, just tell me exactly what to do. I got it. It's like when there's, here's something, but I'm not telling you exactly what to do with it. Is that kind of where I'm kind of sitting on different aspects? Um, when I'm the, when I have my little, my chicas that I mentor, like full range, I'm like, watch out because, <laughs> you know, if I get something or if I see something, I'm saying something. So it's kind of the opposite of that okay. but it's when there's not that specific direction where I'm like man I kind of really want that specific specific direction regardless of how difficult it is I would rather have the direction so I think I'm kind of getting challenged in that where I'm getting words and stuff but not necessarily with that like direction I have to be still on it mm -hmm. etc and so I'm even now sitting here going just mm -hmm. tell me what I can do with it so so when I said that you're you're the gatekeeper and you went yeah okay <laughs> what you really went was nah <laughs> because so trust the, uh, reserve it you're reserve yeah. yeah yeah is that what you're saying I'm sorry no I, I was just gonna say that she that you might need to trust the Holy Spirit's working in you as to the when yeah yeah, yeah. that's what I was gonna say I feel like what I'm hearing from you what I feel like I'm like feeling intrigued to say to you is just like, you know, if we want to live this out, we can't overthink it, we can't reserve it, and and like he said, there's many times where you don't understand why you're getting this message or this picture or whatever, and I just feel like if you reserve it for prayer, you're you're killing it, like yeah, you're not letting, yeah. you're not giving it life, mm -hmm. and so I just feel like we need to live in a space where it doesn't make sense, and I'm gonna say this, and it might make sense now, and it might not, but I think. If you're being the gatekeeper and choosing to keep it in because it doesn't make sense to you yet, then you're not allowing God to use you yeah. fully. So I just wanted to make sure, like, were, are you, like, fear and using what you're hearing, or are you... Yeah, no, you're right on. Not necessarily with my volleyball girls, but in a different aspect, you're right on. Okay. So, thank you. Um, is that, are, what, how are you feeling? Because I don't want to say anything wrong. I'm not. You no, know, no, you're not, you're not saying anything wrong. Um, I'm just, I'm, number one, I, I think this is awesome. Okay. This is, this is a cool group of people. Um, yeah, you're, you're definitely not saying anything, anything wrong. I don't know if I agree 100% that if I don't say it right now, sometimes I'm uncomfortable, but I feel at peace. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we pastored a church in Hawaii. We planted the church and it grew to, a couple hundred people and um and then the lord let I, I believe that the lord let me know that our time in hawaii was over and that we were gonna we were gonna leave hawaii i never thought we were gonna leave hawaii we owned a home in hawaii we pastored a great church in hawaii and getting established in hawaii is no easy thing to do and so we we were we were good the church was strong debt free there was no nothing wrong that was driving us out of there but i felt like it was time to to leave hawaii and so in prayer i was i felt that in my heart and, and it took me six months of prayer to talk to my wife about it because I knew she wasn't going to want to leave Hawaii. And it took a minute for me to get to that point. And then it took another six months of prayer and conversation on both of our parts. And we still hadn't told anybody. 
And then we finally started telling our, our pastor that was over us, not or over us organizationally, but I believe everybody in authority needs to be under authority. And so I always have a pastor that I'm answerable to. Uh, I have four mentors in my life that I'm consistently answerable to uh, in my world for a number of years now. And, and so it took about a year before we even started talking to them about it. And then we talked to them about it and got wisdom and so on and so forth and then how to walk with it with the church. So depending on what the word is and, and the, the largesse, if it's like, hey, you know what, you, you, you need to, if it's something that's manageable that can be received easily, then it, it, it may mean just say it right now. But in that moment, here's the thing. I was disturbed in, in my mind. I was disturbed because I didn't really want to leave. I was disturbed. I was emotionally jacked up because I loved the people. But I was at complete spiritual peace at the same time knowing it was the right thing. So, how, so I, I think that if, you, if, you are, if you're, uh, do we say discombobulated here? Yeah. Okay. If you're, if you're feeling discombobulated about what's going on, you're not feeling at peace emotionally, spiritually, etc., then I would say, hold up. But if you're feeling at peace about what you, and pray about it, seek counsel and wisdom on it. But if you're, if you're at peace in your spirit, even if it's an uncomfortable situation that you're addressing, if you're at peace in your spirit, well then, you know, that might be the time to, to share it. So um, I'm in agreement mostly. Yeah. What you were saying was different. I guess what I was just ensuring was like, if I feel like God's like giving me that, do this Madison. Do it now. And if I say, well, I don't know, because I don't know what I'm capable of, mm -hmm. I don't know that you can use it. That's almost overthinking. Like, gotcha. Is this real? I'm just gonna pray about it because I don't, I don't want to do wrong. But like, mm -hmm. God is telling. I think we need to start like tuning into that and having the, like the faith. Amen. I think that's great. As opposed to like, like you said, yes. Um, Different. What it, something I've been wrestling with is the difference between the prophetic and a word of knowledge, and like how to know the difference. Yes, ma'am. Um, it, it is. Sometimes they seem to overlap in my own mind and in in, even in experience with people uh, watching it happen in people's lives and my own. Uh, a word of knowledge is typically a, a word of revelation that the individual already knows uh, or sometimes doesn't know. Um, well, for instance, that thing I said about tithing and, and having a child, I think that was a word of knowledge that the, that the Lord said, uh, I, I'm going to do this. Now, only time I've ever had that happen, and I hope to never happen, have it happen again, honestly. But, but in that moment, uh, it, it was like God saying, okay, this is what's going to happen if these things occur. That's a, I, and I just knew it. Um, whereas a word of prophecy... Uh, Oftentimes it's, a word, it's something that I don't know, but it's something that they do. Um, and it does, it does seem to overlap. When, when God was prophet, using the, the prophets, Old and New Testament, to, to speak to people and speak into, into nations and so on and so forth, um, sometimes he was talking about things that was going to happen many, many years to come. Jeremiah 29, 11, we just gave that particular example. And then sometimes he was talking about stuff that happened right then and there very, very soon to come. Uh, it, it does have a future uh, tense to it, if you will, um, but, uh, but I, I don't know that I spend a lot of time, this just as me personally, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't spend a lot of time trying to parse it all. I, my, my bigger 
concern or my bigger focus, I guess, would be if the Lord's giving me a word to speak, whether it's a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. It, it, truthfully, when, when I read the scripture, it says there's one spirit and there's one gift. And then there's many different expressions of that gift, but it's one gift of the spirit. And so it, that, that's, why, that's why I'm not too, like whenever uh, this lady over here said that I, I was very, uh, all these gifts, I don't actually think I have a bunch of different gifts. I think I have one gift. And I think everybody in this room has one gift. If you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, I think you have one gift. It's just how is that gift going to be manifested from your life in this particular moment? Um, I don't think that answers your question, and I'm sorry. Uh, but it, it, so, sometimes I think we can try to categorize and understand the work of the Holy Spirit so much that we almost distance ourselves from it. We analyze it versus leaning into it. And, and I'm not in any way saying that's what you're doing. I'm just saying it, it, th sometimes that is a tough thing to discern between the two. Yeah. I think in my, in my, well, what I was reading was like trying to discern is this a word of knowledge or is this the prophetic? And sometimes like what I was reading was saying a word of knowledge was like something that's already been stirring in the scriptures. It's kind of like something, a revealing of like what's happening. Mm -hmm. I would say that Jeremiah was speaking to something that they hoped for, wanted, but whether or not they really identified that this is from God or not, I don't know. Um, I've had people, uh, people have prophesied over me and sometimes it, 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 the things have come to pass and sometimes they haven't, but they've always had a future tense to them. Uh, one thing though, uh, I won't get into the details of this uh, in the Greek language, but uh, it's very important in the, in the gift of prophecy and so on. We don't get to prophesy what we desire or what we want. We have to prophesy what God has said. And if, if we are aligned with what God has said, then we can rely upon that. If we prophesy our own desire, then we better get ready to make it happen. And uh, it's not in our might or our power, but it's by the Spirit of God that we're supposed to be operating. feel like I've kept y'all here for a long time. I'm, I'm loving it. I'd go all night, but I, I guarantee y'all don't want to. Yes, ma'am. So uh, I was walking down, <coughs> I'm walking my dog uh, in the cemetery, and I'm walking down the path, and, and this phrase comes to my mind. I give you a new name, Courageous. And I just thought, hey, God, what's that all about? And then he said, tell Tell Corey, I give you a new name, Courageous. And I said, oh, oh God, that's cute. Corey, Courageous. Mm. <laughs> and he said, no, seriously, tell Corey, I give you a new name, Courageous. And I just, you know, kept on walking, and I started, you know, looking at trees and birds, and he says, remember, tell Corey, it was about five times mm. he specifically said it to me. And then it was, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I think I called Jimmy and said, I think 
I got these instructions, what do you want me to, what should I do? Was that a word of prophecy? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, Deb, it's laminated in my office, and I see it and pray over it every morning when I come in. There you go. And wow. That's awesome. So take that for what it is. Yeah. You scared the crap out of me when you gave it to me. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what to do. You scared me, too. <laughs> I guarantee one thing. If it was a word of prophecy, then in the moment that you need it, you'll know it. And, and I, I, I wouldn't stress over it. Don't go hunting demons where there aren't any, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, that moment's going to come, and then you're going to say, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 I have a new name. My name's Courageous, and I can walk into this, and I'm going to be all right. That's awesome. Praise God. I think one of the things we need to just always keep in mind that Mike has said so many times is, does it build up? Does it edify? Does it, does it you know, glorify the Lord? Does it move the church forward? And in my mind, you know, when she's saying, should I tell Corey that God's calling him courageous? That's a no-brainer, right? I don't have to sit and ponder that very long. I go, absolutely. Um, so, so, you know, I would encourage all of you, when things come forward for you, um, again, like he said, just because you don't understand it, just because it may not make sense to you, um, and, but some of the things, God's gracious with us. He, he, he oftentimes will, will put the ball on the half-yard line with us when it comes to the movement of the Spirit. Okay? And as we become obedient, you, you know, and then we're back on the 5 and then the 10, and then you know, we're marching down the field sometimes, and it feels out of control, and, and only God, you can do this. Um, but he knows where we're at. He knows who we are. He knows what we're capable of. But he doesn't want us to stay in that place. But he also knows, hey, if I, if I start with Corey on the 50, Corey's going to fold and go home. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to march it way up, and I'm going to do all the work and put the ball down here. And then I'm going to do all the work to get it into the end zone. I'm just going to ask Corey to snap the ball. And that's, Good. that's been my experience with, with the movement of the Spirit. And, and uh, God calls us to do what he wants us to do. It always edifies. It always builds up. It doesn't always make sense. It always edifies and builds up. And it has a reason. It has a purpose. And we can't hold it back. God also gave us a will. And we can say no. Micah shared three examples of that. And, uh, and I've, I'm, again, I wrestle with it all the time, saying no. Um, but there's a, there's, it's the peace, man. It's the underlying peace. And God will carry you through that. Even if it feels scary, there's a deep down, it's you, Lord. I know it's you, Lord. I'm scared to do it. I don't want to do it, you know, like the restaurant situation. But, but, and oftentimes, the Lord in His graciousness gives you confirmation quickly, and sometimes you never know. Hmm. You'll never find out. You know, I, I, had, I had something like that. I was at a restaurant meeting with a guy, and, and God said, I want you to pray for that waiter. And I was like, all right, no, no problem. So we finished up at the restaurant, and, and uh, I walked out. And it was one of those small restaurants where the waiter did everything. So he was sitting people. He was so he used to track down and God cleared the path. You know, nobody he was standing in the front door where you come in and out and, and all by himself. And he wasn't busy and I didn't have to hunt him down. I just, just said, can I, can I pray for you? I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. And it was very clear that um, God wanted me to articulate to him that, that the Lord knows who he is and hasn't forgotten him. 
don't have to discern that. I mean, think about that. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, just that's why we have to stay in the Word. We have to stay in prayer. But when the Lord tells us things, oftentimes it's things like that. I don't have to discern. Is God still thinking about this guy? Does God still know who this guy is? Right. That's a given. Again. Right. So sometimes again, and and that's a that's a that's a half yard line one. Um, but I could say no. I'm too busy. I got to go. But that's that's too scary. Um, so I just would, would encourage you all that you know God wants to use each and every one of you. The spiritual gifts are for the body, and they're given to the body to be used to edify the body. And everybody's invited to play. Amen. Everybody's on the field. There's no bench players uh, when it comes to the faith. Ooh, that's good. So you put yourself on the bench, but God puts you on the field. So it's up to us. And everybody has a gift. Everybody's invited to use that gift. And that gift will take you to radical places if you are willing to go there. If you're not, you can shut it down. And that's power. You can shut God down in that way. That's powerful. But you can. And God may go and use somebody else because God's will will be done regardless, with or without you. But God wants to use you. God would rather use you. And so I think what, what I've noticed, and, and I, I don't know if it's true of you, but I think it is true of each and every one of us, it's coming through. We're just not responding. And so when you start to respond, gets clearer and flows easier and it's it's like you know the hole opens wider and wider and the water flows faster and faster but we can we can plug it up in our own lives and then we might have somebody knock on our door and tell us hey you need to wake up and start being obedient to the lord Um, but it's we're again we're all in the field and god wants to use it but, and like Mike has said, you're here because you're interested. You're here because you think it's true. Um, and, and when a church begins to operate in this way, again, I've not been part of one, but I can only imagine, um, it's a really exciting place to be a part of. Because you're being edified. You're being lifted up. And, and God draws people to that. And people, and there's so many people who are hungry to be loved and to know their love. And when, and that's part of why Jesus says, Hey, everybody else is going to know that I'm real because the way you treat each other. And when we're speaking words to each other and edifying each other and giving words of knowledge to each other, we're building each other up. And the world wants a piece of that. Wants a lot of that. They may not fully understand it or get it, but people will be drawn to those things. So that's the invitation, I think, for us as a church. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.